Well, here we are now for uh, the very next instalment of the White Line Fever podcast. Steve Mascord is with us. Jimmy Smith here in Sydney, Australia. Steve, where are you again? Uh, I'm in London, Jimmy. And uh, for those for those of you who um, are listening, uh, consider yourself blessed because uh, I recently on Netflix. We're all going through Netflix, and um, I recently uh, really enjoyed the ZZ Top documentary. So. I'm sort of I'm going for the uh, you know the uh, Billy Gibbons uh, look. I haven't shaved in a bit more than a month, uh, and uh, by the time lockdown's over, I may actually be mistaken in the street for a member of ZZ Top. So there you go. <laughs> uh, that's a long-winded way of saying he's just got out of bed. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, we know a lot about what's happening in the NRL. We've been kept up to date all the time with Project Apollo, etc. Can you give us a snapshot of what's happening over in the UK? Are we any closer to getting Super League? Uh, the Championship League One back on track, Steve? Uh, well, it's been, I think, three weeks since we last did this uh, chat. Um, and uh, I, I don't have anything new to tell you as far as uh, what's happening here in the UK. Although I must say, uh, you know, it was the early days of lockdown um, at that point, And um, I, I was maybe came across as a little bit critical of the British authorities as far as their uh, level of communication. Uh, but, but, you know, the level of communication uh, is fine. Uh, they're informing the clubs every um, uh, week now. There's, there's telephone hookups of the clubs. And uh, I know Ralph Rimmer has been on a show like this very recently. Uh, we wrote about it on the website, his appearance on uh, a show like this that Sky uh, run. Um, so th- th- there's no lack of communication, but there's just no movement. And the reason for that is that uh, in this country, they'll do... Um, what all the other sports do, and at the moment, um, um, there's uh, there's there's no movement at all. Uh, I think we've we've just probably uh, they think maybe reached the the peak of um of the of the COVID nineteen in the UK. Yeah. Um. So uh, you know, the lockdown continues, and rugby league remains locked down as well. And it must be noted too, of course, with the precautions that Australia took a lot earlier. Uh, in relative terms to somewhere like the UK, that COVID nineteen hasn't had the impact. It's been much more. Uh, substantial the impact not just on um, day-to-day living and the, the the lockdown and so forth but certainly in um, contracting the K, uh, the virus and of course in deaths as well so that's to be noted yeah well you know we're in London now and I'll, you know I, I'm, if I, I we're on the fourth floor of an apartment building and um, you know people here it's not quite like Hong Kong um, or maybe some other cities but it's very densely populated and so um, you know, unfortunately, uh, that leads to, to, to greater infections and, and, and greater danger. So um, it's, yeah, the idea, like, as Ralph Rimmer did say, you know, the sport, no sport is going to strike out on its own and make, and make a decision when it's going to return in this country. It's going to be uh, led, led by the government. Um, and equally, you don't want to be talking about coming back too much either because the public opinion... Um, you know, is is more uh, you know focused on people's health, uh, yep. not on sport. So, so again, there's 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 that kind of like uh, you talk about herd, that you know they talk about herd immunity when this started in the UK. Well, there's sort of a herd mentality uh, when it comes to sport and and when it returns in this country. Steve, how solvent um, are Super League, the RFL? Uh, I I don't know, but I do know that. Uh, that they have asked the RFL for help. And, of course, you can't have two bodies from one sport asking... Sorry, the, the RFL have asked the government for help. Um, you can't have two bodies from one sport going to the government. So this has led to some speculation that the RFL and Super League may, uh, uh, I guess you would say, recouple 
uh, <laughs> de-divorce uh, and that, um, that there, there might be more of a unified front um, out of this. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, we, the, the private equity groups and the banks, you know, uh, led to believe the NRL approached banks over here and are fairly advanced in, in discussions with, with loans for banks over here. Well, those same bodies will have entered discussions with the RFL and Super League about uh, bridging loans and, and investment. Uh, and, I, I, and I guess the same conversations with Sky, um, you know, the same conversations that have happened with Fox and Nine will be happening uh, with Sky. Just on that, just on that, am I right in saying Sky made a payment to Super League um, despite the fact there was no football being played? That's right. Sky uh, did make uh, an initial payment, and there was there's another one uh, at the end of May due, and you know we don't know whether that's going to be paid. There's an ob- intense speculation that it won't be, and that Sky, like Channel Nine, uh, will look to extend their deal with the game at favourable terms to them. Yeah, uh, but, but but we. But, but again, there's, I, I contacted Sky and tried to get a comment out of them and, and there was a flat no comment on any uh, negotiations uh, with rights holders or, or with, the, you know, with the, the, the people who grant them rights. So, um, Just on that, before we go any further, that Wigan jersey that you have on now, is that on half, at half price at uh, Mascot Browns? <laughs> <laughs> You're well trained, Jimmy. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, this is uh, the Steelers' uh, warm-up top from uh, the... <laughs> No, it is a Steelers warm-up top from 2018 uh, when, when Wigan went out to Australia and played two oh, games. Oh, okay, yeah. This size, uh, they played one of them, Wollongong, obviously, uh, and Steve Hampson and Andy Gregory, former Steelers players, and that was the connection. But um, this size, the, uh, the large, is completely sold out uh, worldwide, but it, we do have every other size, and it is, it is half-priced, getting some more sent over here to the UK, actually pretty popular at the moment. So, Mascot Browns is uh, because we're... You know, we're, we're a sort of home business, uh, barely a business, really, <laughs> more a hobby. Uh, so, um, so we're still operating and, uh, and, and actually we've been very busy. Come on, Stephen, you're an entrepreneur now. That's how you've been described during the course of the week. So let's stick with that one. Uh, by the way, this is me repping my uh, Salford City Reds, the Pride of the City jersey from the year 2000, which uh, absolutely love. Um, pride of place here in the jersey draw. At uh, in Sydney. Um, okay, we talked about the solvency of the league itself. What about the individual clubs? And I'd imagine it's a little bit like in Australia in the NRL that there's uh, there's the haves and the have-nots. Yeah, that's right. And the the request for funding from the um, government is based on the fact that these clubs are the centre of their communities and that they provide a lot of services aside from a game every second Sunday. So um, uh, based on that, all you know. All the clubs, I mean, the, for instance, Wigan. You know, if I want to send an email to Wigan about merch, uh, there's no one there. They're all furloughed. So, um, you know, I, I looked at uh, Huddersfield's shop last night and their merch store is closed. So everyone's, no one's at work. They're all furloughed. Um, uh, so the idea of coming back uh, is is hopefully there'll be some government funding there to keep the, uh, the clubs uh, up and running. Uh, we were at the end of a TV cycle and... If the funding was to drop below a certain level, then the lower division clubs are going to get nothing. Um, so the game was already staring down into the abyss a little bit. Uh, whether this pause um, makes things worse or whether there's a way to make it better, we don't know. Okay, there's a lot of talk around if the NRL does come back, and we've talked about the reasons why. 
the opportunities for players that are currently playing in Super League being able to come back to Australia or try Australia for the first time. You've got, the I think, Blake Austin's been mentioned, Sonny Bill Williams and Israel. Falau would be obvious targets as well, James Maloney as well. Do you see that happening at all, that, that, that if there is no football or limited football played in Super League that they can come back and play in the NRL? Yeah, um, I don't see the clubs releasing players. I mean, I know uh, Toronto have already uh, sort of knocked the Sonny Bill Williams idea on the head. Said he's, you know, he's contracted here and, and he'll be he'll be staying here until uh, play resumes. Yeah, uh, have, they, have they sorted out a, a uh, what's happening payment wise with the players? I know as the the NRL has done all the players. Yeah, all all the players have been asked uh, to take pay cuts as a sliding scale. So the highest paid player, hello Sonny Bill Williams, <laughs> has to uh, has to um, take the biggest cut. Uh, so. You know, whether, and there's also, it was quite embarrassing for Super League that it was uh, came out in the Guardian that they'd also agreed that if a player uh, was going to uh, um, be obstinate and refuse to accept the pay cuts, that none of them would sign him, that they'd all basically uh, lock, lock players out. Now, in that circumstance, sure, you know, if a player feels he's, you know, I guess a player could use um, the breach of contract to get out of that contract and, and go to Australia if he was desperate and if the club was desperate to have him. Uh, but then again, in Australia, the players aren't getting 100% of their contracts, are they? No. So, no. Um, so it's a tough situation. It's like, you know, Callum Watkins uh, received a uh, compassionate uh, uh, release from, uh, got from Gold Coast because his father contracted COVID-19 and his signing was announced around the same time as players were getting their, uh, you know, pay cut uh, um, information. So, you know, it's, it's uh, and, and, and I believe Callum Watkins was happy to accept, you know, coming into a new club, happy to accept the reduced terms. But nevertheless, you're signing new players at the same time as you're telling guys to take a pay cut. It's a tough juggling act. Yeah, I think we had the similar situation with Tyson Frizzell announcing a, a, a three-year deal with the Newcastle Knights that uh, this was pre- uh, the shutdown and uh, the NRL refused to register it because they didn't know what was going to happen. We still don't know what's going to happen from a salary cap point of view. We're not 100% sure. Um, we think May 28, that's what everyone's working towards. So that'll be interesting to see whether we hit that target, which I think everyone's hoping that we do. What's it mean though? Because I think everyone was a little bit excited about a kangaroo tour or a mini kangaroo tour that was happening at the end of this year. I know Mal Meninga was a big supporter of that. What's uh, What impact is that going to have? given that we're hearing that Project Apollo is looking at missing only three rounds of footy and perhaps playing a, a grand final as, a, as late as um, November. Um, does that just mean no international football at the end of the season? Yeah, it does. It does mean no international football at the end of the season. Um, uh, I know Sean Wayne has said he'd happily, happily play, uh, the New England coach, happily play uh, an Ashes test on Christmas Day. Uh, but... Um, uh, the, you know, I, there's no room for the, for the internationals uh, this year. The World Cup is next year. It would be horrible if, you know, the World Cup was uh, wiped out. And, you know, there's plenty of uh, people out there who say the World Cup, because of all the other sport on next year now, Euros, uh, soccer, for instance, uh, that, and the Olympics, uh, that uh, they'll, be, they'll have to move the World Cup. But certainly uh, it's hard to see the kangaroo tour happening. And it wasn't actually, it was going to be the most complete kangaroo tour we've seen since 1994 yeah. with a game against the Wolfpack in Toronto, um, some matches in France, uh, you know, clubs, they were going to go back to playing uh, um, um, Super League clubs. So uh, 
it, it wasn't going to be a mini kangaroo tour. It's going to be as close as we can have in the modern world to, to a full kangaroo tour. And I just can't see any of it taking place now. Yeah, disappointing, isn't it? Um, back closer to home, from my point of view, uh, your ex-home, uh, um, as, a, as a former journalist who's worked at Fairfax, who's worked at uh, News Limited, um, the two broadcasters of the league are, of course, Fox Sports, owned by News Limited, and Channel 9, which is owned by Channel 9, who own Fairfax. Now, um, are you interested to hear, read, see um, the way that the two daily newspapers in Sydney have been reporting what's happening, um, sometimes behind closed doors, sometimes I'm sure that the information is getting out that people uh, would prefer to stay behind closed doors. What's been your take on uh, the way that um, the negotiations between Patrick Delaney of Fox and Hugh Marks of Nine and Peter Volandis and his team at the NRL are are restarting of the competition and the new broadcast deal? Yeah, it's a big question, both in length. <laughs> it was a big question, but it's also it's also a big question uh, as far as complexity. Um, I'm certainly very interested that uh, basically the you know the reporters at, at the Sydney Morning Herald are being uh, fed information from uh, from from Nine and, and and equally at News, it's the same. And you know, Channel Nine don't seem to want the rugby league to come back, or at least they don't want to have to pay. Um, their their bills as far as uh, to pay for, for for the rugby league, uh, you know. So and even even uh, before we you know recorded this uh, program, Jimmy, there was a, a comment uh, from Channel Nine um, saying that it was you know overly optimistic May twenty eight and uh, yep. blah 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 blah, and then news uh, reported that as basically Nine trying to sabotage rugby league, uh, and you know the, one of the the big kind of uh, um, Furfies, I read repeated everywhere, um, is that oh, the Premier League only has 150 employees. Why does uh, the NRL need 450? Well, you know, the, the Premier League does not run soccer in the UK. The Premier League is a marketing department for, for the top division. There's 69 professional clubs uh, and, and soccer in this country is run by the FA and they have 728 employees. The, the NRL uh, is not just running that... Uh, that that central competition, obviously that central competition uh, wins most of the funding. So sure, the uh, the uh, NRL clubs could have a. They think that the NRL should just be a, an organisation to look after them because they create the wealth. But then who who pays for you know junior development? You know who pays for for the the whatever it is, you know, 500,000 kids or whatever, you know, I believe up 13 aside, it's down to about 170,000 kids around the country. But, you know, the, um, the FA in this country runs the disciplinary and the umpires and, and all those uh, sort of things that um, are the boring things that people don't think about. Uh, it costs a lot of money it co- and it takes a lot of resources to run an entire sport in the country. Uh, and, and Premier League is not representative of that at all. Um, same as Super League, you know, in, in our sport, Super League yeah. is a is a marketing department for um, for the top division only. So uh, I that that is a furphy, you know, absolute furphy to compare the NRL to to uh, Premier League. Uh, as far as the reporting is concerned, you know, it, it obviously is a cons- it is a worry that the two major uh, rights holders are also the the companies that put out newspapers um, in, in 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 every Australian city. Uh, so uh, it, it's difficult, even if the reporters are doing their best to be impartial, uh, 
you know, you're only getting information from one side. You're getting a call from upstairs with some background and you're not getting a call from across the road uh, from background or they're not returning your calls. So yeah. uh, how, you know, how, you, overt, how overt is that in situations like that? Is it, is it presumed? Is it assumed by the, the author? Is it actual management coming down and saying, hey, you better take a look at this? How does that play out? Well, I, I've never been in the position where um, I've been, where I've had management ever in my entire career, where I've had management put pressure on me to report something in a certain way. Uh, but you, you know what a good story is. You have news sense. And if the good story comes from inside your own building or it comes from outside your own building, it's still a good story. No one, the other thing is, Jimmy, no one gives you information without a motivation. Right. So it's your, your job to sift through their motivations and take the motivations into account when you write your story. So, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it's uh, a guy stubbing his toe at training. Uh, the guy who's rang you and told you has got a reason to ring you and tell you. So, you know, you have to sift through um, his motivation in, in the way you report it. So as far as it being overt, uh, as I said, I, you know, the, the, I know at Fairfax, if you look at, and I've recently been going through all of, you know, the Fairfax reporting during the Super League war, and it was a constant source of annoyance to the ARL that Fairfax didn't take their side. Uh, again, that Fairfax covered, new, covered Super League equally. Um, um, and so, you know, I, I'm not sure that there, there's an overt, um, the reporters are sitting there going, I've got to push Channel 9's line. But if they're only getting their mail from, insert, from Channel 9, because... Hugh Marks or Hugh Marks' representative is actually ringing them and giving them a good story that's going to be a front page or back page splash, then they're going to report it. Um, yeah. As far as the News Limited is concerned, I don't know. You know, I worked there for three years. I never had anyone from management ring me up. Um, you know, I got the impression that the company's view uh, was uh, shared by the people I worked with in a lot of, when, it, when it happened to a lot of issues and that, and that you know, if I wrote something that, was against the company's view. It may not get as good a run as a story that uh, shared, that that was in line with the company's view. But I I never received sort of pressure to write things a certain way. I just kind of thought that a story that was favourable to the company's view might get a bigger run than one that was uh, one that wasn't. I got I got that impression. But um, okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. I want a couple of last things to finish with. Um, uh, the final one will be Todd Greenberg and his exit. Of course, you had your Jerry Maguire moment, um, and it was all inspired. It by was the him. opposite. Show me the no money. Yeah, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but before we get to that, give us uh, your thoughts on what does the game of rugby league look like in England in in one year's time? That uh, depending on what happens, of course, um, uh, club survival, RFL back with Super League. Uh, what do you think league in, in the UK is going to look like in 12 months' time? Well, uh, yeah. Um, the, the big thing that's supposed to be happening next year is that, uh, from my, well, I think from uh, anyone's point of view as far as being radical, is Ottawa coming into League One and New York beginning to play games. Um, you know, you've got to wonder in this environment how new, a club like New York particularly are going to get funding. Um, are going to get sponsorship and investment um, to be able to fulfil that that promise. Uh, Ottawa are, you know, plugging away at the moment. Uh, uh, you know, 
I, I did see a story that uh, Eric Perez said that it's yeah it's business as usual really you know we're we're we're, just, we're, we're lucky that we didn't start this year and um, you know we don't have all those overheads so uh, as, I, I think so. I think there is some argument that we may go back to two divisions and not three uh, and that some of the clubs might fall off the bottom of um, the League One. I, you know, here in London, London Scholars have lost their owner and, and chairman and they are battling on. They're going to continue uh, with the other guys who are involved, but the main financier is gone. So you'd have to go, well, will they become a very good amateur club, uh, you know, as an example? Um, so I, I think... I think in a year from now, we will have pretty much what we had at the start of this year, I think. Um, but that depends on the government funding. But it will look a little bit different. And perhaps, you know, a very interesting question was asked by Dave Woods of the BBC of Mark Evans, uh, who's former uh, CEO of Melbourne Storm, uh, English guy, a rugby union background. You know, if rugby league goes back to being part-time, would that be so bad in this country? And Mark Evans said, yeah, it would. He said, uh, you know, telecasters, sponsors, investors, uh, yeah. they, they, they'd be turned off by that. And, and you, you would just have, basically, Super League would become what the championship is, which is, you know, very much spectator-based, very, you know, uh, uh, very local, uh, yeah. very little national publicity, all that sort of stuff. So um, we, uh, we hope that doesn't happen. We hope that Super League stays full-time. Uh, the Wolfpack, everyone's asking about the Wolfpack. Uh, you know, my understanding is that they're it's tough times, but but they'll they'll be back with everybody else. They'll, they'll, they're able to continue. Uh, so I, I I think in a year's time we have, you know, maybe what we had at the start of this year uh, with a bit of a haircut, which um, right. I'll also I'll also have one by then. So. <laughs> Please. Please. <laughs> and finally, Todd Greenberg. I think it, um, I don't think it shocked a lot of people. The timing may have been um, caught a little. Uh, a few people by surprise. Uh, we've also had Raylene Castle from Rugby Australia, who has also resigned. Um, intense media speculation and scrutiny, and you could even say even stronger than that, um, for both those uh, leaders of their sport, their respective sports in this country over the last, well, certainly from Todd Greenberg's point of view, the last two or three months. Um, what was your take on Todd Greenberg's resignation and part two? How do we remember the Greenberg era? Um, yeah, uh, I obviously uh, was quite outspoken when Todd was appointed because the Ben Barber stuff happened immediately before and I felt there was a degree of accountability there that that wasn't taken. Um, I was surprised that the NRL Integrity Unit found that that appointment could go ahead. But having said that, uh, I haven't really um, had enormous problems with the policies of the NRL since Todd was appointed. Um, I liked the push towards inclusiveness. I think the bunker, uh, people hate it, but it was, you know, it was necessary and it does its job uh, pretty well. Uh, so, you know, I, I think Peter Volandis is, is, comes across as somewhat autocratic uh, and, and it was probably any CEO uh, would uh, have had to deal with that sort of micromanaging and that oversight from the new chairman uh, and it would be difficult for any CEO to deal with. So people who follow the politics of the game in Australia much more closely than I uh, predicted this outcome uh, pretty much. Uh, So from that point of view, you know, I I, the the one thing with, with Todd I would say 
is that we didn't, the public really didn't get to know him because, you know, I, I came up through an era and so did you, Jimmy, where the CEO of the NRL, the New South Wales Rugby League, ARL before them, would call reporters back at five o'clock every day. And, you know, we knew Ken Arverson, we knew John Quayle, we knew David Gallup, who's on the evening news apologising for players' misbehaviour every night. <laughs> uh, and we, we, we knew David Moffat, he rode his bicycle onto the set of the footy show, you know what I mean? We didn't really know Todd Greenberg because, you know, he was surrounded by um, advisors and, and, we, and we had this um, process of uh, uh, spokesmen and, and off-the-record backgrounding uh, of yeah. reporters where there was plausible denial where, you know, you couldn't quote anyone saying that this would happen. So when it didn't happen, there was no one to blame. Um, I, I like the fact that Peter Volandis uh, appears to answer calls, you know, and he does, he's quoted in the paper, one-on-one interviews every day at the moment. So if we, I think that's a real positive. And I think maybe, you know, if Todd had been more confident um, to be the front man, uh, then maybe he, he might have got more public sympathy uh, than he did in the end because, uh, alas, we barely knew him. So, yes. Um, yes. So, yeah. So, uh, and, and again, the, the people who are being mentioned as his replacements, you know, don't know much about the public, don't know much about them. You and I probably met them. We know them. We've got, we've got mutual friends. But, but the people maybe watching and listening, um, they, they don't know much about Andrew Abdo as a person. Or, so let's hope that um, the, the trend we're seeing at the moment uh, of uh, the, the the front man actually being up front is something that regardless of who comes into Todd's job is continued. Yeah, my two bobs worth on that is that um, yeah question marks about Todd with the with what happened at the Bulldogs and I always felt that that rightly or wrongly um, it hamstrung Todd a little bit in certain areas of governance uh, within the game most most notably around the player managers. Um, I think that was a concern that a lot of people held. And I don't know whether that was correct, that assumption or not, but it certainly appeared that way, um, especially following Parramatta in 2016. Uh, I think the financial outcomes that have that the, the NRL find themselves in with the, the no um, future fund, that, that you know they did start putting money away in a future fund and then accessed it because they had a $30 million uh, shortfall during the course of one year. They haven't paid the player superannuation that they said they would and they've got gotten around that on a technicality that it has to be there by the end of this broadcast deal you know all of that is unacceptable you know for the sake of naming a 30 million dollar profit why don't you just put the 10 million dollars in the player superannuation fund you know that sort of stuff is is frustrating and they're oversights and i think one of the strengths of peter Volandis is financials so i think that's a good thing from the NRL's point of view. As far as the successor goes, I know there's a lot of names being thrown into the hat. Um, Phil Gould won't do it. Shane Richardson's name's been thrown up by Russell Crowe. So been there, done that a little bit, I would have thought, with Richo. Uh, Andrew Abdo, I think, uh, I've met Andrew a couple of times. He's done very well commercially. Um, he doesn't know rugby league like other people know rugby league, which some people might find as a positive. I don't. Um, but his business acumen is widely accepted. And I think, the way that Peter Volandis is, as you mentioned, so hands-on as a chairman, he didn't want the job himself, didn't want to be executive chairman. Um, but the fact that he'd be able to go there for the next two, three years and guide Andrew Abdo through the initial stages of a CEO-ship, I think is actually not a bad outcome for the game. Um, and it's, it's, it's a time when I think a lack of knowledge in the game will be accepted because of the influence of Peter Volandis. So... For what it's worth, um, if, if they came out and said in two weeks' time, hey, 
we've done it and they won't do it in two weeks time. They'll do a worldwide search and then find him down the corridor, which happens in a number of sports, but um, they'll do their worldwide search and they'll, if they ended up at Andrew Abdo, I wouldn't be upset. Fair enough, Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I'm probably uh, already done a a plug for the, for the shirt I'm wearing, but I'm doing a book at the moment about 1997. So I've spoken to David Gallup and Neil Whitaker and and John Quayle. um, And it is a, um, it is a poison chalice uh, in that a lot of the people who depart um, do so with a degree of bitterness and, and uh, they don't watch a game uh, after they leave. You know, they don't go to functions. They don't, um, it really, it's, it's so poisonous that it, it, it just completely uh, burns away people's enthusiasm for the sport. Um, and I guess if you don't have that level of enthusiasm to start with, then you've got less to lose. So, no. uh, uh, you know, um, may, maybe it, it is good to not be, you know, if you weren't, if you weren't standing on the hill uh, at Leichhardt with a pie before you took the job, then you won't miss it if you're not doing it after you, you leave the job. Any other commercial um, opportunities you'd like to exploit and expose at this point? You've got your jerseys, you've got the book coming out. Um, let's leave it at that. Um, uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> yeah. I don't know, a- what the book, don't know what the book's going to be called or how much it's going to cost. So if you just send me 100 bucks on PayPal, when the, book, <laughs> when the book comes out, I'll give you a change. So. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, mate. Another episode of White Line Fever in the can. So well done on that. Stay safe over there in the UK and we we'll look forward to speaking in the future. Good to talk again, Jimmy. Nice jersey.